When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. My man Patrick doing a great job DJing a top of the charts Tuesday. Also, you can be a part of the show. Specs text lines the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. Also, All Flex Tuesday. We continue our announcements of our All Flex team. We'll review all of the uh, Flex members who have been uh, revealed thus far. And uh, we'll also give you the running backs who who are now on our all flex team will do that here momentarily uh then the six o'clock top of the six o'clock we will give you the quarterbacks for all flex this we'll get back to our mike leach tribute we're going to talk some texas basketball here as well texas basketball big win over rice last night uh we'll get into that discussion coming up here in just a second but to review uh the uh, uh the all flex team that you have uh heard so far I mean, we started this morning with b and e uh went to uh, light the tower also chad and zay all revealing defense, special teams, and we actually the start of the uh, the offensive selections for our all flex team. Uh, so here is uh, the defense. Okay, I get a little flex music, please, Patrick. Sorry about that. Uh, just make sure I'm not snooping. We got to get you in the mood. Yeah, get that I feel flex. like we're with Snoop right flex, now. Baby. Get that flex vibe. Get that flex vibe. Get that flex in it. All right, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out. Uh, all right, so uh, defensive line were introduced uh, this morning. All flex defensive lineman, D lineman, Caleb Dickey out of Crockett, uh, Damian Wimberly out of Vandergrift. Prince Will Uman Mielen out of Maynor and defensive lineman Colton Vasek, Colton Vasek out of Westlake. Uh, also, all those guys make our all flex defensive line. Uh, the linebackers, linebacker Reed Vines out of Cedar Park, Ivy Webb out of Anderson, Brody Bueno out of Huddle. Those are the all flex linebackers. Uh, the defensive backs, the DBs, uh, my man Jalen Gilbert out of Round Rock, uh, currently uh, actually committed to Vanderbilt recently. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him and congrats. Alex Foster, who is just a machine. Sheen out of uh, Vandegrift. Uh, he is a beast. Uh, he also makes it, uh, as I remember, our, one of our DBs on our all-flex list, Peyton Morgan out of Pflugerville-Weiss. He makes it as a member of our all-flex team in the defensive backfield. And Justin Strong, shout-out to Elgin, always representing. Really proud of Justin Strong and what he's done. He makes it as a member of our all-flex uh, team in the defensive backfield. Moving on to the specialist. Specialist? Yes, you got punter. Oren Norrell uh, of a Westwood kicker. Patrick Helen of uh, Buda Johnson. Um, returners are Cameron Cook and Leonard Moore. Cameron Cook out of Stony Point. Leonard Moore, a uh, round rock uh, uh, cornerback, who also I think could have made it as a DB too, which is a really, no really tight no uh, list this year, and all those guys are deserving. Long snapper, Jake Helms out of Westlake. Shout out to him for making it as a long snapper. Uh, then getting into the offensive line, we gave these early in 3 o'clock. 
Jackson Harrison is a center from Liberty Hill. Slot T Mafia. Uh, also, Shout out. Yeah, right. I want, I want one of those T-shirts. Y'all can get it. Send one to the station. We'd appreciate it. Uh, offensive lineman Ian Reed out of Vandergrift. He makes it as well. Vandergrift still in action, by the way. Still. Uh, in uh, getting ready for their state championship uh, matchup. We'll give you some more details about that. Uh, Tyler Knapp out there of Westlake, offensive tackle. Uh, he is a really good player for them. You know that their season just ended, but part of the reason that they went uh, <clears throat> so deep in the playoffs was that offensive line and Taylor, uh, Tyler Knapp, one of the leaders on that O-line. Jay Chapman, one of the best offensive linemen in the country out of Harker Heights, makes it as an interior O-lineman. 254. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Hudson Steelwell, once again, slot team mafia represented from Liberty Hill. He's an offensive lineman. Uh, so that makes up our offensive line on the all-flex team. You gave the receivers last uh, That's right. Last hour, right? That's right. We're, we're going to go with the wide receivers out of Westlake. We're going to go with Jaden Greathouse, big-time wide receiver. I think he lost his first game in his high school career, football career, just this past week. But his numbers are undeniable. Drayton Dickman out of Georgetown, wide receiver, who, who is a big part of success that the Georgetown Eagles fly high, baby, fly high. <laughs> and then, of course, Ed Small, wide receiver, newcomer of the year in the mm. district for Anderson, one of the top wide receivers. By the way, he's, a, he's a baseball commit to the University of Texas as well. Dual sport, baby, yeah. dual sport. And now my man Rob Babers will give you the running backs that will be announced right now. Yeah, uh, all right, so running backs. Uh, I think one of these is pretty easy for everybody. Cedric Alexander makes it out of LBJ. He's a Vanderbilt commit. Uh, he is the Austin ISD all-time rushing leader. So, yep, yeah. yep. Uh, not only this year did he ball out, he's been balling out his entire career there for LBJ, so congrats. Half the time he doesn't even play the fourth quarter. Uh, you're correct about that. <laughs> yeah, Controversy about yeah, yeah. pulling away uh, from teams uh, in the manner in which they did. Dominant performances by him and the LBJ uh, uh, team all, all, all season long. All right, uh, the other selection at running back, Quentin Joyner out of Maynard. Uh, he is a, a four-star prospect, also one of the best running backs in the country, a USC commit. Yes, yep. And, um, I mean, he piled up over 1,700 uh, yards rushing, almost over nine yards per rush. And Lincoln uh, Riley was at the house the other day. Oh, he did yeah. a home visit just the other day. Yeah, he's a he's a difference maker. Some guys move the chains. Some guys change the game. Uh, Quentin Jordan's a game changer. For uh, sure. So those are the running backs for our all-flex team. There you go. Uh, we'll give you the quarterback. For our all flex team, that'll be coming up at the top of the six o'clock. There you go. And congrats to all of the um, different uh, all flex selections. By the way, uh, we'll give you some details about how you can hang out with us tomorrow too. Yep. To celebrate the flex, no doubt. Uh, because we're, uh, we're going to be out amongst the people, and we'll give you some details about how you can hang out with us uh, during that time. All right. Uh, before we get to the Mike Leach discussion, I'll get back to it. Of course, uh, the sad news uh, that Mike Leach passed away, um, and we've been paying tribute uh, to Mike Leach uh, in random forms all day long um, because he's deserving of it, of course. But we'll get back to that in Rod's rant today because I'll do my own kind of Mike Leach tribute, and we'll. Get Get to it from an X's and O's perspective, but also uh, get to come then the impact of the legacy of the football revolutionary uh, that uh, Mike Leach turned out to be. But let's talk really quickly about Texas basketball, gentlemen. Big win for them last night. Of course, dealing with a lot of adversity, dealing with some controversy and adversity, both with their head coach Chris Beard being suspended for this game and for the foreseeable future. Uh, we don't really know uh, what the future holds for Chris Beard as the head coach for Texas basketball, uh, but they uh, told Rodney Terry uh, two hours before tip-off 
mm-hmm. during the shoot around. He was going to be the interim coach. He found out he he revealed he found out about the Chris Beard situation around seven a.m. and then found out he was going to be the interim coach two hours before tip off. So uh, yeah, uh, talk about you know, a lot on your plate. All right, drinking through a fire hose as they call it. And Texas started out a little slow uh, as a result. I think of a lot of these uh, different issues. There's probably a lot they were thinking about. Talk about distractions to say the least for this group. Uh, so they did end up in a 10-point hole uh, in the first half, uh, closed out the first half with just a four-point uh, deficit there, 33-29, to 29, uh, but largely on the, uh, the efforts of Marcus Carr, who had 28 points. He was 9 of 16, 4 of 7 from three-point range. And Serge Boy <coughs> Rice, who really showed up in the overtime yep. period. Uh, Texas was able to force it to overtime. He only had 11 points, but seven of those came in the overtime period. They were crucial, uh, clutch buckets. So what, you know, you can criticize this team for being distracted and not coming out and starting fast, and they had to really dig themselves out of the hole the entire game. One thing I really liked about this group thus, when they called about winning time, which is what Chris Beard talks about the last five minutes of the game, they really played some of their best basketball in winning time. Last five minutes of the of regulation, last five minutes, of course, of the of the overtime period. That's when you saw really the, the best of this team, uh, and I think that showed you a lot of fortitude from this group. Yeah, and one of the things that you, you, you can look at as this happened was, number one, Give Rice a lot of credit. They came in and they were they were dialed in. They had some scorers on the floor that were making plays. Um, they didn't shoot well from three. Uh, Rice didn't. They were nine of twenty eight. But when you look at what Texas was, Texas was five of twenty two from three point land. And those are the, some of the things that worry me for later on. Um, I expect them to get better. And the other things are you talked about clutch time and winning time got to be better at the free throw line. This is back-to-back games where they've had opportunities at the free throw line to put games away, and they've come up short. So those are some of the things that I understand. Yesterday was mm-hmm. one of those days. They were going through a lot, the focus and everything, and for them to pull out this win, kudos to them. That's what it's all about. And, and Rodney Terry, Coach Rodney Terry said that after the game. He said, guys, we're going to be dealt with adversity. We're going to have to deal with it. But these are the types of games that we need to win, and that's exactly what they did. So I'm 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 impressed with the way that they fought. I give them a lot of credit. Patrick, you alluded to it earlier, the way that the fans came out and cheered those guys on and was really there to rally for them, cheering for Coach Terry, taking over the position in a tough situation. Timmy Allen was 7 of 9, so that was another back-to-back Really good, efficient game for him as well. But you still need to see a little bit more, and this is me being the one thing that I'm going to be critical of is that backcourt because that is what the expectations are. When that backcourt is in sync with all three of those guys being able to play together and one taking over past the other and trying to set everybody else up, that is going to be something that we're going to need to look at at the end of the year. How are they gelling in that backcourt? And I heard the conversation earlier. I believe it was uh, Craig Way talking about it. You know, this is only their ninth game together. So we can look at it that way as well. Everybody's still trying to fill each other out. They've only truly had one real road test where they went to New York. They won in, in 
the Valley was truly a home game because you had all the fans. They, they're still trying to figure out who's going to take that lead. But it's important for me because you win championships with your backcourt play. That is going to be the biggest part. So I want to see what they can do then. Uh, and yes, before we uh, give my man Patrick the floor and get his thoughts, yes, Texter, I did see Evie's biceps. Yeah, he was in the game. I tell, I, I told my <laughs> wife, I, she didn't even notice. Him. I was like, babe, look at that dude's biceps. Yeah, that little dude. What out there with the guns? I mean, guns, is he only man? doing curls? <laughs> That's it. You gotta, gotta make get, sure you get that extension. You gotta get him off of them curls, man. <laughs> curls for the girls. His biceps are now half of that's gotta be genes. That's gotta be right. just in the DNA. You don't get you don't get biceps like that just doing curls all day. Right, right, right. You don't do it. You ain't doing that's nothing genetically. else. Genetically, man. Genetics. I noticed. I told my wife yeah. like, babe, look at. I, sometimes <laughs> my wife would do that to me. She'll shock me. Like she'll see a woman with a really nice, you know, butt or really big breast. She'll go, babe, look at that woman's butt, and I'll go, yes. <laughs> oh, that's, am- that's amazing. Look at that. And I did that to her. I was like, babe, look at that dude's bicep. Yeah. They're unbelievable. They she was like, normal. oh, that's amazing. And I was like, I had to tell you. I didn't want you to miss it, babe. Like, I'm getting, I'm, I'm looking at this man. I'm impressed. Yeah. I wanted her to be impressed too. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Patrick, you had the floor. <laughs> no, I mean, it was, yeah, it was one of those nights where you saw it and it was, I said earlier, it's everything seemed to be, you know, just that little hair second off of so many rebounds bouncing off of hands. Guys bumping into each other, guys, you know, balls bouncing out of bounds when you should have been able to wrangle it in. Yeah, all of those things just happening throughout the entire game. So you, it was one of those games where, honestly, after it was over, I was surprised we won, just because there was a certain point in it where you're just like, yeah, I don't know if they can pull it together, uh, but they did, and the veterans really took the lead. There was a great ball don't lie moment of Brock Cunningham in there when Brock Cunningham grabs the rebound and uh, uh, Fiedler, their big man comes right over the back of him to to get the ball, which like yeah. that's a foul. Because if Brock did that, that's a foul every day of the week. But then <laughs> yeah. they go jump ball, and you're like, yes, yeah, hands on the ball. He's on his back yeah. to yeah. over the back, and they call a jump ball, goes right way. They throw a ball up top. Brock cuts it off, comes back down, and dunks it. And you're like, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, Basketball go. gods have spoken <laughs> yeah. on that one. You blew Everybody that Everybody in my house is yelling, <laughs> ball don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw some moments. That, but, like, Brock Cunningham, really, you could tell he was in that game. Uh, there was points where he was going over to guys and being like, hey, man, just focus. Yeah. yeah, Just focus. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Focus. And, and that was where it was is, it, you know, a lot of those problems – even though the, there's going to be issues and this is this suspension is or whatever happens is going to be a while. Exactly. Agreed. Uh, I think the focus will come back to these guys much quicker. It's a yeah. day of, honestly, those guys' phones had to be ringing off the hook the entire day, text messages, everything else. It's very hard to focus when every – so it's not even – if you're not even thinking about that, you're just like, man, I haven't talked to this kid since mid, junior high. Exactly. And he's texting me right now like, <laughs> we're best friends, and he wants the inside scoop so he can tweet it first. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's what you're dealing with all day, and then you got to go out there on the basketball court, and then you're trying to listen to music to get warmed up, and man, music goes away, and another phone call from your uncle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't even show up at Thanksgiving, but now he's calling. <laughs> and, like, that's what's happening all day long. So Yeah, you're right. You, you know, these guys are just not focused at all on this game. Game. Uh, they picked it up at the end. There was a lot of turnovers. I agree with Harge. Marcus Carr, they need to figure out this uh, this offense at the end of games where you can't have three guys and still just play an ISO, but they don't even play a real ISO because they don't spread the court really correct, well. Correct. Like if you watch what, what Rice did, is that what they did was spread the court really well is they pulled out their center, they played him tight, but then they can make cuts to the basket mm-hmm. and you yep. can just make cuts. Mm-hmm. And so everyone is making cuts as long as you can get. 
uh, half step, you could lay the ball up because there was no rim protector around the basket because your big man's leading the offense from the perimeter. But that's spreading the court enough, whereas Texas would still have a DeSue or a Brock or a Christian Bishop kind of sitting in there because they want him to try and get an offensive rebound. They're not really spreading the court enough, and the guys – I mean, I'll give uh, Brock, he's been starting to shoot some threes. They're letting Christian Bissop shoot some threes. I don't think he's hit one yet, but they're letting him yeah. shoot it. Yeah. Dylan DeSue hit another one last night. If those guys can help spread the court a little bit more, that'll help. You could run a, run a real ISO for a, for a guy like Marcus Carr, but you want to figure something out there at the end of the games. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I, I think maybe for Marcus Carr, but it, this is a trend that, Harad, you talked about you have you have seen and observed mm-hmm. for a while now, this pattern. Uh, maybe the hero ball was just thinking, hey, man, we need somebody to, to, to pull us out of this rut. Right. To spark this team, to bring more juice. And I think he was just trying to do that. But uh, I, I agree with you guys down the stretch. I mean, <clears throat> got to make sure you're, you're, especially with those three guards, you thought that would be your strength is down the stretch, decision-making, ball handling, that you would be in an advantageous position because you have three veteran guards. Yeah. Um, and I think they will I think they, they will be in that position as the season goes on. I agree with Craig, too. It's only been nine games. Right. It's We're, only been nine. It's been a but they yeah. yeah, they've been hit with a ton of adversity so far. The leadership will be tested and see if the team is a player-led team. Yeah. That's what you want that's this team exa- now. But, and, they got to be a player-led team part. now. Yeah, that's the beautiful part mm-hmm. when you really break it down and who they are and where they are trying to go. And that's what uh, I heard Craig talk about this too. He said that Rodney Terry grabbed those guys together and said, I really need you guys Y'all got to it. take care of it. You have to. I need you guys to be the leaders. That's, I mean, think about it. How many mm-hmm. of these guys are fifth-year, six-year seniors? We're, we're talking about uh, Brock Cunningham. Brock Cunningham still has another year. He's Super already, seniors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You still have that leadership. And I saw that uh, Brock Cunningham gave Rodney Terry the game ball from last night, getting his first win. I mean, there, there's – there's so much leadership there, but le- yesterday they were really tested for yeah, their leadership. And again, I think the, again, and a lot of this too is no one knew what was happening really until it, until you're ready to go, and there was no time to take anything in because you didn't know who your coach was. You didn't know if he was going to show up. You didn't know if Chris Beer was going to walk through that door. You didn't know if they were going to go. Oh man, it's all been thrown out. Nothing happened. Sorry, big right. balls fight. Yeah. Or you didn't know if they were going to walk in and go. Hey man, he's fired. Uh, transfer portal's open. If you all guys want to get out, here's yeah. the rules we have there's to tell so you. Many you things. don't know what's happening, and yeah. then they're like, "All right, we're playing the game." No game's so, happening. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into into that. And I mean, we look. There's guys on this team. If you want to talk about adversity, like, like what's happening now, sucks. Timmy Allen has been through severe adversity in his life. Correct. Losing his, his mom and his only parent mm-hmm. when he was a kid. Agreed. So, like, there's guys who have been through a lot worse on this team that are going to be able to help you, you know. I don't think Put this is going to – This will not end yeah. anything. It's a one yeah. day – if we if they didn't play – if they played today even or tomorrow, I don't think they play as poorly as they did and just as unbalanced and unfocused as they did to that day. It's literally – we said Rodney Terry mm. – between learning and seeing that he's a coach, had 10 hours to get through and then two hours to be a head coach. Say, yeah. That yeah. is not yeah. a lot of time to not do like, any yeah. of those things. No. So, I, yeah. It, but luckily, that game to me, he was a head coach before. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, so. and luckily, he is. Rodney yeah. Terry's a great leader, man. He's an all, like, Rodney Terry's a great person. Yeah. So, but I think, yeah, this is one of those games that after it's all said and done, you'll look at the game film maybe once and you just go, look, man, we, we all know what this game was. Right. Mm-hmm. We could beat Rice 20 times out of 20 and better mm-hmm. than this. But, look, it was what it was. Let's move ahead and let's focus on our next competitor. We got to go play Stanford and Dallas on Sunday. 
So let's focus on that. Yep. Yep. The uh, Coast to Coast Challenge, uh, Texas will be facing Stanford. Uh, the ladies also are in that, right? Yes. Correct. Correct. Yes. Uh, ladies will be playing. They play after Texas. They play after play. T- yeah. the, the men play. Yep. Uh, so, all right, there you go. A uh, little Texas basketball discussion, uh, but there's a lot of uh, talk about Texas basketball, not about all the stuff that's on the court, team battling some adversity, but they get the win, 87-81, over the Rice Owls. Sad news about Mike Leach passing away. We'll celebrate the life of the football revolutionary, the football philosopher and legend, Mike Leach, on the other side on Ball Don't Lie on Wonderful Number. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I want to get into Mike Leach a little bit and have a discussion about Mike Leach and his greatness, the football revolutionary, football philosopher. Man, um, honestly, a legend. He was a, he had a walking legend, too, at the time. He was already a legend um, by the time he had taken the Washington State job. And we talk about, you know, how Dion was, you know, now he's one of these – Really, you know, dynamic personalities that seems to be magnetic and people are just drawn to him, media drawn to him. Mike Leach was one of those coaching rock stars, too. It, it, and that, there are a few of them every now and then, but he's a he was a coaching rock star, like literally just it's the only way you could describe him. And, you know, the air raid, which we all know that was his uh, that's it was his baby. He inhaled mummy. Um, and he is definitely didn't. I don't think he gets credit for creating the air raid, but definitely gets credit for popularizing the air raid and making it a household term. The term came from their time when they were at Iowa Westland and there was a, 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 a wacky fan, diehard fan that would bring an actual air raid siren to the games. And he would play the air raid siren when they would score. And there is actually a clip somewhere of Mike Leach doing the air raid siren noise. He does it a lot. <laughs> um, and they he basically, they give him credit for naming it the air raid because he said at the time, hey, we should just call it the air raid since they play that damn air raid siren all the time. It was a throwaway comment. It was much like when Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells named the West Coast offense. It was Bill Parcells mocking Bill Walsh, actually. He had beaten Bill Walsh in the game. In the post game. he said, yeah, now what do y'all think of that West Coast offense? You know, that, that bunch of BS West Coast junk. And there's I was like, oh, that kind of fits. I like that West Coast offense. And that's basically what it's really picked up as the West Coast offense. And just much like Mike Leach, it was a throwaway comment. He was like, guys, ah, let's call it the air raid. He read that damn air raid siren. And it just stuck. Everybody now calls it the air raid. That's the true origin of the term. But the genesis of the scheme to me and the philosophy is important. Because I always say, you know, 
people believe that, you know, think concepts that are groundbreaking and revolutionary, like, you know, the West Coast offense and the Tampa 2 scheme and, you know, all these you know, revolutionary football ideas that they were basically presented from the football gods on some mountaintop. And they were given the tablets of concepts and philosophy. That's not how it happens. The truth is most football philosophy is just a coach trying to solve a problem. They're, they're problem solvers. They're trying to solve a problem, and then they stumbled upon something revolutionary in the process, right? The West Coast offense was simply Bill Walsh trying to figure out how to maximize Virgil freaking Carter. Virgil Carter was a, a quarterback who didn't have a really live uh, arm. He didn't have uh, great arm talent, but he was really smart, and he's really accurate. It's like, all right. How can I work with Virgil Carter, try to maximize this guy? Built a system around Virgil freaking Carter there at Cincinnati, and turns out the rest is history. Virgil Carter at one point led the NFL in completion percentage in 1971, and then Bill Walsh said, huh, if this can work for Virgil Carter, he tweaked this thing a little bit, it worked for everybody, and it did. Right, that's the beginning of it. Same thing with Mike Shanahan's zone blocking scheme for the Shanahan run scheme. People think, man, he just he tweaked it over time. No, no, he was with the Raiders, and he had in the backfield Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen, and said to himself, "I keep telling Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen where to run with the football. That seems stupid. They're both smarter and better athletes than me. I'm not gonna give them one option. I'm not gonna say, hey, run through the A gap. Hey, Marcus Allen, run through the B gap. Hey, Bo Jackson, run through the C gap. No, no, no. These guys." are elite athletes. I'm going to give them options. So we're going to run the zone. Black team. They'll get like three or four. They want to cut it back, cut it back. You want to you wanna run front side, run front side. You want to cut both backside, go backside. You can slow play it. You can fast play it. You do what you want to do. That's the zone. Black team was meant to give the running back the power and the options because he wanted to give Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen more opportunity to be successful. Smart that makes man. Him smart. <laughs> smart that man. Makes him smart. Yeah, as I say, it, it wasn't some grand scheme. No, he's just trying to solve a problem. Joe Gibbs, when Joe Gibbs popularized the H back, you know what he's trying to do? How to block Lawrence Taylor on the edge. I got to block this dude on the edge. Well, a tackle can't do it. Well, a tight end can't do it. All right, you know what? I'm going to put a tackle over there, and I'm going to put another big, giant tackle slash athlete over there. We'll call him an H-back. Basically, he's another tackle slash tight end. So we'll see if or Lawrence Taylor can run around two of these big guys. And there you go. There's your H-back. Brilliant. Help him win Super Bowls because they can beat Lawrence Taylor and the Giants. That's all you're trying to solve problems. And the problem that Hell Mummy was trying to solve was I want to – I want to take this this great game of football, which, in his opinion, had become way too convoluted. He wanted to remove and strip away the complication or in the convolution uh, at the time, this voluminous monotony of conventional football theory. Your playbook's got to be the size of a telephone book. Oh, that means we're a great offense. Remember, remember John Gruden with that nonsense? You know, triple Man. Y banana, F white left city. Like, what Razor the hell are you, banana. What are you talking like, what about? Are you, yeah, that Why makes do you have a thirty sense. word play? Exactly. What? That makes no sense to anybody. He's well, an offensive genius. You ain't smart enough to learn a system. What? Yeah. Your system is stupid. It's trash. You know, exactly. It's trash. And how mummy decided, no, no, we need to strip it down. It's too complicated. Uh and essentially bleed in. You know, more, I think he said more processed than playbooks. So one word play calls, slim playbooks. Yeah. You're talking about, hell, so slim a playbook you can put it on the index card. Or we might not even have a playbook. We may just simplify the teaching technique and allow for maximum execution and performance. That is why the air raid is considered more of a philosophy, more of a, a religion than it is a scheme. 
Um, the air raid. Here's uh, the quote from uh, from Mike Leach's book about the air raid. The air raid is more of a process than a playbook. Keeping things simple, stressing execution over matchups, and seemingly endless repetition of a relatively small number of plays in practice, and what links the air raid past and present. It's just, and I love this quote about the air raid too. It's everywhere and nowhere, said uh, <laughs> Nate Tice. Everyone in college runs wide cross. Everyone runs uh, air raid concepts a hundred times a game. It is, it is everywhere and nowhere. We'll get back into that, but. The, the, the beauty of the, you know, the foundation, the origins of the air raid was it was just Hal Mummy. Hype. You talked about how you played it against an Hal Mummy air yep. raid offense. Yep. That he was just trying to simplify it for his son says for high school kids. His son told the Associated Press, his son Matt, he said he was basically trying to dumb this thing down for guys that were just learning to play football. When Mummy came up with the system, it was less about a sea change in the way football is played and more about making lofty football concepts available and simple for teenagers. Yep. That's it. <laughs> it's what is simplified for people because I think football, he had thought football had become way too complicated. They were trying to complicate the process over and over again, and he did not. And... One of the things that's also really cool about, you know, kind of the origin story of the air raid, and I think one of, it's kind of a, a natural benefit of it, was that it actually adds value to your programs. And I don't know if Mike Leach was thinking about this as the time at the time and him and Hal Mummy, but when you think about how it adds value to a program, the New York Times writer, I believe, uh, Michael Lewis, and this was like 15, 17 years ago, he wrote a piece about Mike Leach. And he compared Mike Leach to Billy Bean, called him basically college football's Billy Bean. And what he meant by that was how he had an insert quarterback here offense and was able to have prolific record-setting offenses with quarterbacks who weren't highly recruited necessarily. Um, but they ended up overachieving in a lot of aspects, right? Whether it be your Tim Couches or your Josh Hypo or Cliff Kingsbury, B.J. Simmons, Sonny Cumbie, uh, Cody Hodges, Graham Harrell, Taylor Potts. You know, Connor Halliday, you name it. I mean, Luke Falk, list goes on and on. When Those, you say Billy Bean, you're talking about Moneyball, correct? Talk about Moneyball. There you go. And basically what he is saying is that Mike Leach figured out, uh, instead of me trying to go get the top, you know, four, five-star recruit at quarterback, trying to go get those guys who are obviously, if you're at Texas Tech or you're at Washington State, it's going to be really, really tough. You're fighting a losing battle. That's a fool's errand. He decided – to really focus in on just a few qualities at quarterback that were specific to the success of a quarterback in his air raid system. Three things. When they asked Mike Leach about uh, recruiting a quarterback, is he accurate? Number one, Mike Leach often said the other thing is you can grab a shortstop and teach him to play quarterback easier than you can make someone accurate. So he said, I'm not going to take a big-arm quarterback who can't hit, you know, hit the nail on the head. I need a quarterback that can be accurate. And I can't, you can't teach accuracy is basically what Mike just said. I can't teach that. He also said decision-making and quick feet. Those mm-hmm. are his three things. He said, if I find those three things, he'll be great in my system. I don't give a damn what his star rating is. I don't give a damn where you have him ranked. He good in my system. And that's why insert quarterback here. That's a money ball approach to it. Taking undervalued skills, undervalued traits, all right, and extracting value from them. That's all Moneyball was. That's what Billy B was doing. Everybody thought nope. he was crazy. And much like Mike Leach, everybody was like, oh, it's crazy. It'll never work. What the hell is he talking about? It'll never work. Well, <laughs> I think we all know it worked. Billy Bean's laughing, too, and, and so is Mike Leach somewhere up there laughing, too. He was laughing before that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's why it's a Moneyball person. And I'll give my man um, 
my man Bobby Burns some credit. He wrote a great piece at Inside Text and talked about how Mike Leach also is responsible. Think about this. He's right. He's responsible for the popularity of the slot receiver, too. He started because when the original um, the original air raid was a two back system. How mommy said a lot of our plays were just two back systems because it was coming from the eighties. He still ran two back. He wanted to throw it a lot, much like the original West Coast was a two back system. Um, and then it was Mike Leach who came in the pirate and said, "Man, we're making a making a ten personnel grouping, one back, zero tight ends, four wide receivers on the field, blitz them with speed." That's what that's what we should do. That's what he did when he went to Oklahoma. And with that, you had those two slot receivers. And they became weaponized in that air raid offense. And my man uh, Bobby Burton brings up, he said, the invention is the creation of the slot receiver who was not the typical personnel um, that stargazers like him were looking out for, right? He was a, a, a scout. He wasn't looking out for stuff like that. He's a recruiting uh, expert. He wasn't looking out for slot wide receivers, little tiny speedy guys. Now we love those guys. Leach found value in smaller, productive high school players that had pretty much been shunned in the recruiting process. Red Raiders like Nehemiah Glover. Remember that Mm -hmm. guy? Remember Wes Welker? Danny Amendola. (laughs) Unknown names in recruiting, yet Leach saw the value in certain skills and traits that he could utilize in his offense. And trust me, Wes Welker, he beat me once in 2002, so I know it all too well. (laughs) And that's part of Leach's legacy, too. Right is that that money ball approach, not only at quarterback, but also at receiver. And, and, and so that, that innovation also ends up adding value. And something people don't talk about a lot, I, I brought this up actually when we talked about Deion Sanders, the free media, right? Free media, people always say that you know, uh, President Trump actually won the election you know, on free media. He had $5 billion of free media during the election, and Hillary Clinton only had like $3.2 billion in free media. She outspent him in the election, but she didn't get more free media, free publicity than President Trump did, and it did a lot to swing the election. Starbucks once in a Game of Thrones episode, they left out a coffee cup in the episode. That, don't ask me why. They made a mistake. And it wasn't even a Starbucks cup. And Starbucks got $2.3 billion in free media advertising because everybody kept referencing Starbucks on social media in reference to the gaffe by Game of Thrones and HBO. Mm -hmm. My point is, free media, it's tough to put a price on it and quantify it. All the free publicity you get. They talk about this all the time in March Madness when these little schools, (laughs) uh, these mid-majors end up going into the tournament and getting national attention for, uh, for a few days and getting all that free media. When you made Mike Leach your head coach, whether it was Washington State or his time there at, at, at Texas Tech or his time at Mississippi State, you probably had more free media than, man, I would say, I would say probably 95% of the teams in the FBS. Because everybody wanted to hear what Mike Leach had to say. For sure. Mike Leach had a sound bite. Everybody's going to listen to it. If Mike Leach had a quote, everybody's going viral. They couldn't wait to put a microphone in front of him. Yeah. So in terms of free media, in terms of what, now Dion's don't do it now. He's going to bring more free media to Colorado than any coach in college football. But before that, it was Mike Leach. You had to hear what Mike Leach uh, was going to say about a certain topic. And you knew it was going to be insightful, but you also knew it was going to be entertaining and provocative. Very. That was Mike Leach in a nutshell. So he always added value. His scheme added value. He added value. Mm-hmm. Everything about the man added great value to a program. And and I know we're up against this, so I'll, I'll kind of end on this note, too. What I do like about, I think, kind of the lasting legacy of it, if it is a religion, then it's about spreading the gospel. And nobody spreads the gospel better than the air raid quarterbacks 
uh, of this air raid system. And I remember at one time the belief by NFL scouts was that the air raid system is so simple and so rudimentary that the quarterbacks who operate these systems are just simply system quarterbacks because the systems of the NFL are way too complicated for somebody who runs a system uh, where you can just put the card, they put the, the, the plays on just an index card. They can't run something that complicated like the NFL system. And then the NFL was so ignorant. I'm not joking about this. They were so ignorant about the air raid system. They didn't find out until like 10 years ago that the air raid quarterbacks actually called their own plays. They just found out. Uh, here's, a, here's a tweet from Michael Lombardi. He says, a team asked Luke Falk, who, call, who, who calls the runs at Washington State? Falk said, head coach Mike Leach only calls passes. All the runs are done at the line of scrimmage. Now, that is an amazing setup. That was when the NFL actually found out, like on a widespread basis, that the, that the air raid quarterbacks in most of those systems are calling and audibly their own plays at the line of scrimmage. Right. They had, before, they thought, oh, no, the, the, all the calls are being made on, on, at, on the sideline, and none of those guys are making calls. Well, it turns out they were wrong about that. Because right. they were all too arrogant to go study the air raid. And now, the truth we know, the air raid is, it's all around you and it's everywhere. And these quarterbacks who once were mocked, now, that's your Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts worked in an air raid system. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, you know, Baker Mayfield. Jared Goff is an air raid quarterback. Yep. Geno Smith. Because he played for Sonny Dykes yeah, out there in Exactly. Geno yep. Smith comes from Dana Hogan's air raid system. Matter of fact, you look at... The, the, the top-rated uh, passers in the NFL right now, four of the top seven come from air raid systems. Look at the top passers and TD passes, four of the top five air raid system quarterbacks. The NFL was so wrong about air raid quarterbacks, now they didn't even want to talk about how wrong they were about it. Right. Um, because it was just ignorance uh, that they were perpetuating over and over again. And now people are wiser to understand, oh, no, the air raid quarterbacks, I mean, they, they, that's the future of your quarterbacking. Right. Uh, Drake May? Air raid quarterback, who's going to probably mm-hmm. be the number one overall pick. That's just that's the future. They yep. were just they were he was way ahead of everybody, and everybody else is behind the times. And through this now, you got you got you got um, programs like Wisconsin, traditionally been a ground and pound program, who now want to run the air raid. And the reason is because this air raid is attractive. The irony is the air raid was built on an insert quarterback here system, so I can take an undervalued quarterback and he can overachieve in my system. Now teams like Wisconsin are p- installing the air raid so they can attract big-time blue-chip quarterbacks because it's a system that is sexy that puts up prolific stats. Mm-hmm. How about the irony in that? <laughs> Full circle. Right. Now teams are installing the air raid to get big-time quarterbacks to play for their programs because Lincoln Riley runs the air raid. And those are Heisman quarterbacks. Three of your four Heisman finalists say, are yeah. running some version of the air raid. Yeah. It is everywhere. Four verts. You know what four verts is? Air raid concepts. Your wide cross. Your mesh. You talking about mesh? Mesh is air raid, baby. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, fingerprints mm-hmm. of the air raid, Hal Mummy, and the late great Mike Leach. The pirate. He belongs to the ages now. God bless the man. Swing your sword, brother. Hey, you want to take him out with some uh, Mike Leach doing the air raid siren? Oh, please. You found it? I yes. found it. We got it. So we'll send you out before we go to break here. There we go. It's just, you know, loud, you know, as can be because it's echoing off those walls. What? What? You know, so it goes. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, we'll be right back. This is Ball Don't Lie. What if we're not the horn? Bucky and Eric. 
Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Uh, this day in history also uh, paying tribute to uh, the legendary coach, uh, Mike Leach, who passed away yesterday as well. Uh, all right, uh, we'll get back to that conversation. A little off the record here. I don't know if we'll have as much time as I'd like to discuss this, so we can probably hit it up on the other side if we don't finish this. Uh, but the NBA has gone out of their way uh, to reveal the uh, new uh, the new names, basically, uh, newly named trophies, uh, which are named in honor of NBA legends. So all of their postseason awards, their Kia Performance Awards, uh, will now have um, namesakes, basically. Uh, the uh, honor will go to Michael Jordan as the MVP uh, trophy, so the Michael Jordan MVP trophy. Uh, it will be the uh, Jerry West uh, trophy awarded to Kia's NBA Clutch Player of the Year. There will be Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy, which awarded to the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, the Wilt Chamberlain Trophy, awarded to the Rookie of the Year. Um, and the John Havlicek Trophy, awarded to the Kia Sixth Man of the Year. George Mikan Trophy, awarded to the Most Improved Player of the Year. What say you, Hard? you disagree with any of these, um, these tributes? No, the I do NBA? not disagree. Um, no, I do not disagree. I think it's something that... After, like everything else, we were talking about change, right? Adjusting to different times. And I think this is something that's important. And remember, didn't they just change the Bill Russell? The finals MVP. Yeah, they changed that. So when you do that, you might as well try to make some adjustments. I mean, how many times have we been talking about changing the logo, right? There's been so many different opportunities for things to happen so for them, I have no problem with it. I think, you know, you can change a lot of things th- to make it more modernized. But this is that's the thing is it's not more modernized. None of these kids know who most of these players are. None of them they're dude, most of these parents' grandparents never saw Jerry West play basketball. Right. right, I, right. I get it. And so I get there's part of it. I get what this I is. No, I didn't. This is the NBA basically trying to bring back and be like, hey, remember when we when you like basketball? It's just like that. It's like no, it's uh, not. Yeah. And all, you can name whatever. You Nostalgia. can name whatever. The trophies themselves look really ugly. Those yeah, are they terrible they, looking. They don't have any likeness of the superstar. No, they though. do. The, the newer ones. Uh, do so, they? Yeah, they they do, and that's the thing is there's a little guy in like a glass. Yeah, I, they're they're weird. I can't tell if that's Jerry West. I believe it is Jerry West. But you're right. I guess I believe. Hakeem Olajuwon. I guess it's supposed to be. But you're right there in like a glass, yeah. like a crystal case. And then there. and then there's the weird part is, and I get what Zay was talking about because it's not that Hakeem doesn't deserve to have an award named after him. It's just if you were to say. Name the best five defensive players. You may not name Akeem because you don't think of him. He's a two-time defensive player of the year. But you're like, oh, yeah, the dream fade. Like, he was an all-around insanely good player. So it's always just that kind of like, if you were to go to Akeem and go, hey, do you want to be remembered as the greatest defensive player of all time? You'd be like, well, no, because I was better than that. I was better than the greatest defensive player of all time. Yeah. Well, what award should he but be that's named the thing, after? That's what you get. Like, Will Chamberlain, you'd be like, well, no one thinks of Will Chamberlain as the greatest rookie I know, of all that, time. That, the Will Chamberlain one's weird, too. So there's some of one. those that are a little bit weirder. Like, the defensive player of the year, what would make more sense in my head is the Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, but because yeah, he won so, four defensive player of the yeah. year. I think they want a goat there, though. Exactly. I think they and want so a I goat get, I get why they did it. Yeah. I, for me, it's like, it's fine. You'll put their names on it. I would not make it the, that trophy. I would make it the Akeem Olajuwon defensive player. It's the Akeem Olajuwon defensive player of the year. Make defensive player of the year the, the marquee yeah, yeah. thing. I got you. Don't tie these young kids in. 
comparing them because now you're going to be like, hey, man, you're a defensive player. You're the Akeem Olajuwon. Like, oh, we just want to remind you that you are not close. You are not <laughs> yeah. touching this guy. It's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a while uh, for when to get close to Akeem. But I'm with you. This is a good point, though. The nostalgia thing is definitely what they're playing with. Yeah. They want nostalgia. Yeah, I, 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 but most of it was I just saw the trophies, and they did not look the trophies were ugly. The trophies are not a yeah. thing that I'd be like, man, I was one of the best players in the NBA this year. I'm glad I got this trophy that looks like I'm most improved at my, my sales team meeting. <laughs> no, do they uh, do they give out an award for the, the, the player <laughs> that averages that leads the team, at least the league in scoring and leads the league in rebounding and stuff like that? I don't think so. Because, mm, like, uh, yeah, MLS, don't they have, like, yeah, the leader boot, in goals goal or whatever? Boot, yeah. Like, that's probably what you should do because, yeah, Dennis, someone says Dennis Robin Award for the most rebounds. Yeah, yeah, Something you like can't that. have the Dennis Robin Award. Yeah. Because when he does something stupid, you can't have your name tied to Dennis Rodman. That's very true. Yeah, there's there was certain. That's what me and Zay talked before the show. We're like, most of those really good defensive players, you can't put their name on an award because yeah, they, they're insane. Yeah, because they, <laughs> well, they, they different. They just answered your question. That's why yeah. the dream is there. It is. I know, but I was like, Dikembe is Dikembe is no, a great guy. Yeah, Dikembe not a goat. No, he's not at all. He's just a great. He player. is making commercials now. Yeah. Four-time defensive player of the year. I know. Like I said, they Akeem want, only won it twice. They won't go so <laughs> there. I know. Only twice. Only twice. <laughs> uh, all right. And he didn't have – he never did the, the, the finger wave like the Kimbe. Uh, yeah, I don't think that the Kimbe – That would be a great trophy, though. Yeah, the finger wave just, just goes should, like this. They should make it wag <laughs> back and forth. Like yeah. It should be like a bobble <laughs> hand. Yeah, like a bobble <laughs> hand. And just wags back and forth. Yeah. All right. We'll come back. I dig that. Uh, we'll get to the All-Flex announcement for the QB for the All-Flex team. Right here on Ball Don't Lie. 104 down the horn.